Hello, everybody. Welcome to the BearCast Media Bengals Recap Show. I am Justin Cashman alongside Alex Frank and Preston Stober. And the Bengals, unfortunately, from the sad music, uh, we got a little journey going right now. Uh, lost another heartbreaking game to the Cleveland Browns, 37-34. It was a nail-biter the entire game, but uh, unfortunately, the Bengals lost in the uh, last few seconds of the game. Alex, you were there. The Bengals Preston go up. Preston was there, too. Preston was there. Alex, I'll start with you. The Bengals go up. 34 to 31 a minute six left it was a fourth and one at cleveland's three yard line play action pass to Gio bernard for a touchdown what is going through your mind at this point in time do you have hope in the defense no <laughs> i'm trying to um no i it, it was great um it was great that they took the lead. They executed the fourth down play, which, I mean, you know, if that, if that didn't make you nervous leading up to the play itself, <laughs> I don't know what kind of Bengals fan you are. But, no, I didn't have any hope in the defense when, um, even when we went up 34-31. I, my thinking was, as Preston and I were talking about before the show, I, I, my thinking was they're going to at least get three points out of this. Cleveland. They didn't have any timeouts, but they had a minute left. Baker Mayfield was looking like a world beater in the second half. Without Odell Beckham, by the way, and without Nick Chubb. I had no I had no confidence in the defense. Um plain and simple. And the first play of the last drive, when Mackenzie Alexander came in, why are you trying to grab Baker Mayfield by the legs? You can't do that. If if you follow if you've been following what's been going on, Baker Mayfield had you know a rib injury going into the game against Pittsburgh. So why aren't you why aren't you grabbing him by the chest? The one time we actually get pressure on Baker Mayfield, you're going for his legs. He's gonna he's still gonna fire. He's gonna be able to fire a pass. So to answer your question, it was great that we took the lead, but I didn't have any hope in the defense. I'll get to my overall thoughts on the game, um, Preston, after you. Yeah, I, I kind of felt the same way, and I thought, you know, I, I had some, you know, hope in the defense. I was like, I, in my head, I thought, well, I would love to win the game in regulation right now. I mean, it was just a great drive by Burrow down the field, as me and Alex talks about. That's something we've waited for to see from Burrow, and he, he delivered this Sunday. He drove down the field late in the fourth quarter. He got the lead for the team, and then we go back out there with, I don't even, how, how much time was left when the Browns got the ball back? Uh, around a minute, minute six. Minute six. Minute thought, six. You know, I would love to see a stop and the Bengals win this game in regulation. I thought, you know, I think the the Browns will probably that's, – that's probably – this defense has been awful in two-minute, one-minute drives this season, like all season. Um, I thought we, was, we were either going to see a uh, Browns field goal or Baker throw an interception. That's the two things I really thought we were going to see. I never thought that they would score a touchdown. I thought that there was, there was just no way that we'd be able – that we would give up that much – in a minute and six seconds. I thought, no. And, I mean, so just to see that happen was, was awful. I mean, it was just a, a disaster to that point in the game. And what I was thinking is, so in our preview show leading up to this game, I said, well, I had predicted the Bengals to win, and I said, well, I think this interior defensive line, they're getting Mike Daniels back. You're not really sure what the, what the health of Geno Atkins is. I know he's been on a, a limited snap count. Um, thus far, this is only his third game back, but you know, you're thinking, well, he'll probably get a few more snaps, especially with DJ Reader out. Um, 
And they did. They actually held the Browns to only 82 rushing yards. Kareem Hunt only had 76 rushing yards, and they played very well. Von Bell played really well in the uh, uh, run game. Um, Marcus Hunt played well. Mike Daniels played well. And I said, they're going to force Baker into some uncomfortable throws. And early <laughs> on, you saw that. Baker started 0-5. His first throw of the game was an interception. And then on the run back, Darius Phillips, OJ, OBJ tears his ACL. Confirmed today that he's going to be out for the rest of the season. And so you're thinking, well, you know, that changes a whole that changes the whole game moving forward. And Baker starts 0-5, but and what does he do? He completes his, what? what is it, 21 throws? 22 of the next 23. You, how are you going to let that happen? You're playing Baker Mayfield. And by no means am I calling Baker Mayfield a bad quarterback, but Baker Mayfield, he looked like prime Tom Brady, prime Peyton Manning in this game after going 0-5. And I thought that this secondary even though they're missing William Jackson they kind of have some they're shuffling pieces on the back end I thought they were going to force Baker into some uncomfortable throws but they just they proved they weren't able to do that and it was it was the complete opposite of what I expected to happen and Alex I'll let you get into your um, thoughts of the game but for me that is the complete opposite what I expected going into this game I um yeah, Baker looked, I mean, to me it was Drew Brees. I mean, just no no contest on the defensive side. And Kareem Hunt still had um, three catches for 26 yards. The Browns used him in ways where he could tear up this Bengals defense. And he did. Um, but I have never been more deflated, knocked down as a fan after than after yesterday's game. It was the most emotionally spent I've ever been after a game. Because now, the Bengals can't even beat the Cleveland Browns. And I'm not trying to knock on the Browns as an organization. At least right now. Because they're a good football team. But we can't beat the Browns? When we score 30-plus points in each of the two games we play against them this year? And we can't beat them? We can't, beat th- we can't win a game when our rookie quarterback, Joe Burrow, who is nothing short of spectacular, goes 35 of 47 for 406 yards and three touchdown passes and one rushing touchdown, and oh, by the way, he also had six carries for 34 yards, including a man, including a man look. How do I say it? I mean, a run like a tr- like a man, true tough guy of 12 yards to pick up a first down on the on the last offensive possession that led to a score. We can't win a game when our rookie quarterback does that. We can't get excited about anything with this team. Joe Burrow comes in. He's the Lord and Savior of this of this team, this city, and we are failing him. We are failing Joe Burrow, and it makes me sick to say that. We are failing this franchise's last hope for success in Cincinnati. We've given him talent on offense. He's got that. 
Forget that he doesn't have a great offensive line. Joe Burrow has overcome the offensive line's deficiencies. Hell, he was playing without his two best offensive linemen yesterday for the second half, and look what he did. Joe, Joe Burrow, in the first quarter yesterday, played like a rookie, was intercepted in the end zone, and he was strip-sacked by the best pass rusher in football. After that, he was like Tom Brady. I'm going to say it. He was like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or any other great quarterback in, in their prime. And it's just, we can't, we can't stop the Cleveland Browns offense. We, we could not stop them for a lick in the second half. Darius Phillips, it might be the worst corner in football. He can't, on, he was targeting on the last three plays. The last three plays. For the Cleveland Browns, which go as which goes as follows. Eight yards, can't even tag him in bounds. 30 yards, and then the 24-yard touchdown. To Donovan Peoples Jones. Not Odell Beckham, not Jarvis Landry, Jonathan Donovan Peoples Jones. It's an okay name. When is this organization just going to just Give us hope. This is, I mean, this is one of the lowest points I've ever felt as a Bengals fan because now we can't even beat the Browns. We are literally rock bottom, and we already hit rock bottom last year. When is this thing going to turn around? There is not that much time for this organization to turn it around. There really is not. You do everything right yesterday offensively. The game plan was good. Joe Burrow was spectacular. A.J. Green has looked pretty good the last two weeks, and I think he's in a good place mentally. More on that in a minute. T. Higgins played well. Tyler Boyd is Tyler Boyd. You know what you're getting from him. Gio Bernard played well. And this is all without Joe Mixon and two offensive linemen who are your two best linemen. And yet you can't stop Cleveland at all in the second half. Now the Browns have the upper end of the rivalry. The Bengals, the Bengals can't simply not win, can simply not win a game. This is rock bottom. And just what can you do? We've been given hope so many times the last 17 years. 18 years. And we can't, we simply cannot take advantage of it. Do we want to win here? I think we do, but we're not doing whatever it takes to do that. I think here's why it is so bad, and here's why it feels just so just draining about how the season has gone so far. If you go through it, A.J. Green, pass interference, touchdown, I think it's a 50-50 call. Chalk the Browns up to an easy loss. The Eagles, you, get one, you stop a two-minute drive from Carson Wentz, who's been nothing, not great this year by any means. You, you beat the Jaguars. The Ravens, it's a loss. You're up 21 against the Colts. 21. And, and you lose that game. And then obviously the end there, Joe Burrow's driving down the field. There's an interception. I mean, if just one thing goes different there. And then yesterday, if you – or, yeah, yesterday, if you can stop a two-minute drive, if this team did does what it could have done, if, it, if, if they did what they could have done, that's 5-2 and two right there. And I'm not saying that, oh, we should be 5-2. Not, not by any means. Not by a long shot. But 
if one thing in each of those games just goes a little different, the only one that you leave up the chance to the Chargers game, that's the official's call. That's a 50-50 call on him. That's the only thing left up the chance. I'm not calling it in that game, by the way. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't either. Everything else, everything else, that's controlled by the team. Carson wins two-minute drive. Uh, gave up, blew a 21-point lead. Um, yesterday's disaster. That is why it just feels so draining because you're, they're so close. They, they, so easily, this could be a team that is in the playoff hunt, honestly. And that's, that's completely honest off of these games. If a couple things go different. And yesterday was just, I feel like that kind of put an exclamation point on this, to this point in the season. It really just showed everything that's happened. Just get there, get so close and just can't get over the hump. And I think that's, that's where we're at right now. It's who this, it's what this franchise is. Um, lost my, I was going to say this. The Browns did not face a third down on their last two possessions of the game. They faced three third downs in the second half total and converted all three of them. One of them they did not, but they were spared it because of an offsides penalty by Carl Lawson. The Bengals' defense, I mean, how many times did you see a play and there's Rashard Higgins going across the middle or Harrison Bryant across the middle or just, you know, finding Jarvis Landry on an out route or David and Joku up the seam? It was. They could do whatever they wanted to do offensively. And the first half, the, the, the sad part is, the Bengals' defense outside of one drive in the first half was playing really well. It was Now, they didn't face a two-minute drill in, the, in that half because the offense left, left little time on the clock. So the Bengals played some good complimentary football. You're up 17-10. I had someone text me that, that the Bengals should win this game. I'm like, why? At halftime, I thought they were going to win. There's simply no excuse for losing this game. There, there's no excuse. Cleveland's playing without Nick Chubb and Odell Beckham. Chubb is their best offensive player. Beckham, say what you want about him, is an otherworldly talent. That Cleveland simply can't fa- can't find a way to use to utilize, and that's a crime. And you let this team. By the way, they were without their right guard in this game, who is you mentioned, Justin, is the highest graded player in football. One of them, ninety four point four grade. And you can't get a pass rush on Baker Mayfield. What are we doing here? This is, as you said it, Preston, this is the culmination of a series of games this season where if one thing goes the Bengals' way, they might be 5-2. and two. This team might be the best one-win team in football. It's not that far-fetched. The offense is really, I think, is really good. It's just the defense, it, 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 it's so deflating to me. We, we can't, I mean... One area of the team improves, but then there's a liability. And that's the defense. And this is the this is the this is the side of the ball where they spent so much money on in the offseason. Where's their hope here? It feels like there is no hope here. That's why this is so deflating. There is no hope here. We have a rookie quarterback who's playing like a Hall of Famer. And we're failing him. We are failing Joe Burrow. 
And one of the more interesting stats, uh, looking at the stat line following the game, is Tyler Boyd had more tackles than Carlos Dunlap, Carl Lawson, and Geno Atkins combined. If someone had told you that during a game, at any point this season, that Tyler Boyd would have more ta- did I say tackle? Yeah, he had more tackles than those three guys combined. You would probably tell them that they're insane. Carl, is, is that for this game or the season? That's for the, that was just for this game. Oh, and it, I mean it's kind of understandable. I mean Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins both on limited snap counts, both for very different reasons. Uh, Carl Lawson he had four quarterback hits, but as much as I hate to say it, you can have as many quarterback hits as you want, but if you let the opposing team's quarterback throw five touchdowns and you don't get a single sack, not just Carl Lawson, but this entire defense didn't have a single sack, didn't register a single sack this entire game, then it does not mean anything. Like I said earlier, like I said in this past week's preview show, you have to force Baker into uncomfortable throws because when you do that, he's going to make mistakes. He's going to turn the ball over. We have seen it throughout his career. When he is forced into uncomfortable throws and forced into uncomfortable situations, he is very turnover prone. And this defense, they, they're not playing with any heart. I'm sorry to say, you signed Von Bell, and yes, he's great in run coverage, and he played pretty well. He had eight total tackles. He was good yesterday. But he got burnt toast on a couple of really great throws by Baker. I think the one was to David Njoku. The other one was maybe the one of them to Harrison Bryant. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I just so remember the, saying. Was it the Bryant? Was it his first touchdown or second touchdown? Because he had one in the first half and one in the second half. I think it might have been the second one. Because um, <laughs> I remember his first one was a little like one and out because they're on like the one-yard line. That's neither here nor there. Either way, Von Bell, he cannot cover. I'm sorry. I hate to say it. I'd almost rather have Sean Williams in there at that point. Because I don't know if you remember in 2018 that he had five interceptions. He's a ball hawk. He's a guy that can force turnovers, and he's a solid tackler. He, I remember. Don't, don't get me wrong. Sean Williams is a very talented player. Von Bell is too, but I think overall it wouldn't hurt your defense to put Sean Williams in there over Von Bell in some, some of the situations. I know you're paying Von Bell all this money, but you've got to do what's best for this team. And these linebackers, they just look slow. They look slow. And I know you brought in the two rookie linebackers, Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis-Gaither. Logan Wilson has played pretty well up to this point. I think that he's had a pretty solid career thus far through six or seven games, whatever it's been. He leads the team with interceptions with two. Um, So I've been pretty happy with him. But you have to get these guys more active in pass coverage because as much as they can stop the run, that doesn't mean anything if you are giving up four, 350, 400 passing yards a game. And it's very frustrating because we know how talented and young this defense is, and we know, we know what they're able to do. We know what they're capable of. But when they're not doing it on a game-to-game basis, like you said, Alex, it is very deflating. Just like you, I, this is probably the most deflated I've ever been after a loss because you're so close. And that's just been the narrative throughout Zach Taylor's career up to this point. And here's a stat that I heard from a Jay Morrison, beat writer for the Bengals uh, for The Athletic. Prior to the Bengals-Browns game, Teams that have scored at least 33 points and had zero punts were 55 and 0 in the Super Bowl era, <laughs> and now it's 55 and 1. If that doesn't sum up the Zach Taylor, uh, the, the Zach Taylor era thus far in Cincinnati, then I don't know what does. So much so that Jay Morrison in his in his article yesterday in the Athletic postgame write up, he called he called us the Cincinnati and ones because there's always there's always a stat where it's something in O, a record, 
and then the Bengals always become the exception, so it becomes and one. There's another stat in there too. I'll, I'll look at it, but don't mean to cut you off there, Preston. Uh, I just want to throw this out there. Um, so our good friend Hugh Jackson, you know, you know Hugh Jackson, right? Oh, I know Hugh Jackson. Yeah, he was pretty good. Spent a little time with Cincinnati. Yeah, he was. So there was an article this week in ESPN where um, Hugh Jackson was uh, given his overall assessments on Baker Mayfield. And upon reading them, upon reading the article, I'm like, this is why you're not the head coach of this football team, because you don't know. He's like, um, they're not, he said, he said the following, end quote, they're not winning because Baker's putting up 400 yards. They're winning because they're rushing the football. So yeah, there's a lack of confidence and they need to get that back. Okay. And look at what Baker Mayfield did yesterday. Look at what Baker Mayfield did yesterday. Hugh Jackson might be the biggest idiot <laughs> to might be the biggest idiot in America, particularly if, within this rivalry right now, because he couldn't he couldn't figure out Baker Mayfield. Freddie Kitchens, believe it or not, did he just tried to use him too much? He didn't he didn't realize that Nick Chubb was in the backfield apparently, and he had fifteen hundred rushing yards last year. Kevin Stefanski, right now, is my pick for coach of the year. I mean, he's done a tremendous job. Five and two. And yeah, their two losses are horrible, but I mean, they have five wins. I mean, they're playing good football against teams that they should be beating. And um, Hugh Jackson also said, um, where is it? But I think there's a happy median there somewhere where you can still be a really good running team, but be able to throw the ball at a way to go get his own personal wins. Because he needs some. He hasn't had that 300, 400-yard game. He needs that to feel good. Well, he didn't have 300 passing yards yesterday, but it felt like he did. So, there you go. Hugh Jackson said some things that maybe I didn't agree with, but he said this is what Baker needs to do, and Baker's like, all right, I'll do it. I'll do that. And he did. Are you saying that you're more deflated after this loss than you were after the playoff game in 2015? I think that going into that playoff game in 2015 with AJ McCarron, I don't necessarily feel like going into that game that I thought the Bengals were going to win. And I'm not saying necessarily that I thought the Bengals were going to win this game. You but it's them just to win. I well, I mean, I I think I did that just more because I it was time for some hope. It was time for the we were so negative on the show. I think we just need a little bit of uh, flash of positivity. Um, I mean, both were very deflating, don't get me wrong, but, you know, I think that it's just kind of been a culmination of so many losing seasons up to that point, up to this point, because in 2015, we were 12-4, and four, and we were riding on some success from the past few years of Andy and AJ, and then after that, it's just been a complete collapse of this organization, really, and you now you look at us, and we've had several losing seasons, and this is just kind of like the breaking point, I feel like, not just for the fans, but maybe the team itself, because you don't have an identity. You don't know what you are. You don't know what you're supposed to do moving forward because you know you have talent and you know that you should be winning some of these games, but you just can't. You just can't put it together. You've been so close so many times, you just cannot put it together. Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it is. It's a culmination, and it just this game, it, watching the game, looking at the stats of the game, you just you, you you have to win some games, especially like this one. I mean, if you 
look at all the games that, that the Bengals have lost, it's crazy, and it just feels awful about all of this. And I mean, yesterday just proved all the points. And I mean, you hope that the team can be able to turn it around, but I mean, I feel like that this is definitely a deflating game for a team to lose. Um, so hopefully they're able to turn it around. And I wanted to comment on the Baker Mayfield thing. Um, Baker had a really good day. I'm not taking any of that away. I'm not taking any of that away. But when you're able to stand in the pocket and survey the field and find the man you want to throw it to, you have to get pressure on the quarterback. I mean, that's where every all this comes from. You have to get pressure on the quarterback. It felt like, I mean, there wasn't a, the Bengals didn't get any sacks. They hit the hit Baker five times. It just felt like he he never had much pressure on him. And you mentioned it a little bit, Alex. The play that changed a lot on that last drive was I forget who you said got in the backfield and got Baker by the leg. Nobody was there to clean it up. He was hopping in the he was hopping in the backfield for a good two seconds before he found Donovan Peoples Jones, I believe. If he is brought down with no timeouts in the backfield, or at least able like somebody gets in his face, they have to throw it away or to throw it at somebody's feet. That last drive is probably completely different. Nobody was there to clean him up. I forget who you said it was, was not able to take him down. Kenzie Alexander. Kenzie Alexander was able to grab him by his legs. If you allow a quarterback to do that, and once again, I'm not saying that the defensive backs were good by any means um, and on that last drive or like in a lot of ways, but you have to get pressure on the quarterback, and that's something that didn't happen yesterday, and Baker's stats, I think, reflect how easy it was for him to just pick apart the defense. Baker Mayfield was not sacked once, not only yesterday, but also in the Week 2 game between these two teams. The Bengals' defensive line simply just... They folded against this Cleveland Browns offensive line, which is significantly better than it, than they were last year, the Browns offensive line. But there's still no excuse in the book for not being able to generate some pressure. I mean, Baker Mayfield was not even touched yesterday. I mean, he's not Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think he is. He's Baker Mayfield is a, is a solid quarterback. He's a solid quarterback. He's not great. He's not Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, and I don't know if he ever will be, but he's solid, and he has won five games this year, and we made him look like a world beater and a Hall of Famer. 27 second half points. 27. There's no, and they And they all resulted in touchdowns. That is just embarrassing. It's deflating because the last two weeks, the offensive line has played solid. Joe Burrow's played really well outside of maybe two plays. And by the way, if anyone if anyone says to me on Twitter, you need, you need to start getting on Joe Burrow, I, I simply am not going to do that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame a rookie quarterback. And if you say, well, he shouldn't have thrown the interception in the end zone. I'm sorry, rookie quarterbacks make mistakes. I'm pretty sure your rookie quarterback in Baker Mayfield two years ago did the same thing. And he did more of it last year, and he's done more of it this year too. By the way, Baker threw an interception two plays after Joe Burrow did. Just throwing that out there. But we can't we 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 are failing Joe Burrow. The defenses. The last two weeks, AJ Green has played spectacular. AJ Green has played really well. I think he's in a good place mentally. Um you know, we'll get to this coming up here, but in the whole Carlos Dunlap fiasco, did you hear what AJ Green said yesterday in his post game press conference? Uh, I believe it was that he was a captain, and it's his job to kind of, 
Diffuse, something along those lines. the situation. Diffuse the situation. That's, that's a great I, answer right there. Yeah. That shows that he is still that he's in a good place mentally because he's starting to play well and he he's he's taking back the being the leader of this team, the leader of the locker room. That's great. I'm all in on that. So he's been doing well. T. Higgins, what a, what a great draft pick that was. I mean, he I mean he's just really really good. I mean, what, were, what were his numbers yesterday? Uh. Five receptions for 71 yards and a touchdown. That was after he also took a hit in the game. Mm-hmm. So he's doing well. Gio Bernard has five receptions for 59 yards and a touchdown. He also had uh, 13 carries for 37 yards. Not great, but you get the point. Um, he still was productive overall yesterday. So we're getting some developments on the offensive side. But now the defense after the Baltimore game, in which we're praising them. They have come back down to earth. They let Phillip Rivers throw for 377 against them, and Baker Mayfield throw for five touchdowns. And Rivers is too old to do it, to put up the numbers he's putting up, and Mayfield is not as good as the numbers yesterday might suggest he is. But this Bengals defense will allow quarterbacks to do that. It is absolutely deflating how... The, the one area where you wanted to see improvement this year, on the offensive side, you're getting it, but the defense simply cannot deliver. And don't even be fooled by what you saw in the Ravens game. You want to know why the Bengals' defense was able to seal the edge against Lamar Jackson? Because Lamar Jackson had a bad knee that day. Don't be fooled by what you saw that game. This defense is terrible. I'm just throwing that out there. And, the, and, you can, and look at the Eagles game. The Eagles were without two wide receivers in that game. And the Chargers were playing Tyrod Taylor in Week One. This defense is not has not made any strides from last year. They are horrible. And this front office is not doing a damn thing about it. You would think that after last year two and fourteen, there would have been changes made on the coaching staff, particularly on the defensive end. If you wanted to keep your offensive staff fine, there was none of it. And it's so deflating how this front office cannot see what we see and make the necessary changes and now we don't even have the upper end on the other nfl team in our own state and browns fans are never going to shut up about this it is so deflating because now there are no silver linings no hope and did i mention a pretty good team is coming in to play the Bengals this week and there's a lot i'm and there's a lot i want to say about that on sunday because the organization can use that game on Sunday as a turning point or to hit absolute rock bottom. Someone go ahead. Um, so I think one of the more frustrating aspects of this game is, we were talking about this a little bit ago, I actually think the offensive line played fairly well. I know Jonah Williams had a bit of a struggle. I mean, he struggled against Miles Garrett in the first game too, don't get me wrong, but this is his rookie season, and you're asking your starting left tackle in his first season to go against arguably the best edge rusher in the entire NFL. And yes, he's going to struggle, but he has his entire career. He's going to be playing a lot of more games against Miles Garrett. So he has his entire career to get ready for him and you know actually have some success. So I understand that. He goes out of the game with a neck injury. I'm not sure what his 
timeline is for returning from his injury. Oh, I think actually Ian Rappaport said today that he might be out until at least the bye. I think he is out until Until after the bye, yeah. And then Zach Taylor rolled out Bobby Hart for this upcoming game. He has a knee well, injury. that's what I was thinking of. Bobby Hart. Do you remember how much we would harp on Bobby Hart the last year? And for good reason. He, I mean, he's, quite frankly, <coughs> with his time with the Giants and his time leading up to this point with the Bengals, has been awful. But he has been consistently better game by game as the season has gone on. I remember he had the struggles against Joey Bosa in the first game. He had a little bit of struggles in the in the second and third game. He cleaned it up a little bit, but these last few games, he's actually played very well. And I remember we were asking, what the hell is wrong with Jim Turner when Jim Turner was saying, well, you know, Bobby Hart, he's misunderstood. He thinks he's, he, Jim Turner thinks he's actually a good player, and we're all shaking our head. And then now we're saying, well, Bobby Hart, he's probably our best option at right tackle. We trashed Jim Turner on that show. Yeah, we no, we completely went off on Jim Turner. And look at Bobby Hart, and he goes down, and we're saying, well, now it's a Hakeem Adeniji. He had four snaps um, this game. I didn't even get to see him because I, I didn't get to see the last few minutes of the game. But look, and then Trey Hopkins, goes, Trey Hopkins, our starting center, goes out too, and you're saying, well, offensive line is actually starting to get a little bit of momentum. They're starting to play well together. And then three of your starters get hurt. Billy Price comes in and actually doesn't play terrible. He has a few bad snaps to Joe Burrow. That's something that can clean up. I mean, the center to quarterback exchange is something that you have to work on every day in practice. You have to get down as the season goes on. Probably hasn't had too much of that um, with the ones. Jonah Williams is out. Bobby Hart's out. Trey Hopkins is out. They brought in Quentin Spain today for a workout, and so hopefully he signs with the team today. And now you're saying our offensive line was a weak point. Now they're actually pretty good. And then how you have all these injuries, and you say, well, what's going to happen now? Because Joe Burrow, he's going to get killed on Sunday. If these guys that are coming in and starting for the, the backups and starting, if they can't play well against Jadavion Clowney and a couple of uh, it was Isaac, or, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, a few other uh, good pass rushers for you're, Tennessee. You're worried about Tennessee's pass rush because I watched them on tape and I don't, I don't see a pass rush there. You think now that they might have a great pass rush and then watch them play Cincinnati and they're going to blow them up if they're not able to play at least competent in place for these starters. I'm just saying. I mean, they, I mean, they let Houston score what? I haven't looked at the stats or the numbers from that game, but you let Houston score 36 points on you? I'm just saying, either way, Tennessee is a talented team. They might not have the most elite pass rush, but against a team that has three backups starting for their first games this year, that could be a recipe for disaster. I'm just saying, all, all that I'm trying to say right now is that the Bengals were finally getting some consistent play from their offensive line, one of the weakest points leading up to this point, leading up to this season. And now Joe Burrow is saying, well, I don't have three starters. I don't know what to think because now you're playing a 5-1 and one team, and it could be, it could be awful. I don't, I don't want to see Joe Burrow get – none of us want to see Joe Burrow get hurt. And that would be the worst possible thing for this team right now. And now you're saying, well, now, now what? Now what? I mean, I would, I would agree with that. And even to expand upon it a little bit more, I mean, we have our – I think we, we clearly think we have our long-term option in Joe Burrow. We've got Joe Mixon. I mean, we got a good skill group crew. I think that we have a majority of the long-term skill group right now. We have them right now. And then the offensive line, I mean, that's what we were harping on for so long. We have to work on the offensive line. We have to bring guys in. And still, we still have to do that. This offensive line is far from perfect. But it's, get, it's showing improvement, I think. 
And I think that is huge. And I think that is huge. I think the offense is really coming together for this team. Maybe not just for this year. And we talked about it. I forget what game that was. I believe it was after the Jaguars game. We said in a couple years this offense could be lethal. And I still stand by that. I think that there's stuff to work on. But this offense is showing signs. And I know we're, we just played the Browns. And they are not, don't have a very good defense by any means. But So I don't mean to blow anything out of proportion. But I still stand by that. If a few things just come into place, this is an offense that could be lethal. The only problem is we don't play in the Big 12. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. So we still got to work on the defense. No, Preston, you hit the, uh, the nail with the hammerhead. I mean, this is... I, I, I agree with you because what makes Joe Burrow so great is that he can overcome several obstacles within this offense. Jay Morrison um, wrote uh, his write-up yesterday was 18 plays that makes you have to truly believe in Joe Burrow. If there's one thing, if there's one silver lining in this game, and I can't believe I'm saying silver lining here, but I am. It is that Joe Burrow is the absolute correct answer at the game's most valuable position. He's this quarterback for the next 15 years. Now, when we get to talking in 2022-3, Mike Brown better be willing to spend a lot of money. Because let me tell you, if we can't pay Joe Burrow, this organization might as well leave. Throwing that out there. So this and you saw Burrow yesterday fumbled two snaps and made the most of those plays. Andy Dalton would have done that. Not trying to knock on him here, but we're not used to that here. Get used to that. You know how many how many times there was there a false start yesterday or a holding penalty and the Bengals still and Burrow still got them the first down. That's my franchise quarterback right there. That's our franchise quarterback right there. That's what I want in the quarterback. So we have him. Joe Mixon, say what you want about him, is one of the best rush is one of the best running backs statistic, statistically in the AFC right now. And the receiving group. John Ross can get out of here. Auden Tate, eh, not really sure how much value he holds. But T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, I'll even throw a true sample in there. Mike Thomas. Um, and I still think A.J. Green holds value. I really think A.J. Green holds value here. Because I think he's starting to get back to his old self. It wouldn't shock me if he had a good game on Sunday. Tennessee's, Tennessee's defense is not that great. They're not. If Denver can move the ball on the Titans, the Bengals can too, I think. It's just now... We have to clean up. We have to clean up some other areas of the team, like the offensive line, which, the, which you know, Miles Garrett had a strip sack fumble yesterday. Okay, if we had a strong left tackle and Jonah Williams in his rookie season, that led to three points for the Browns. Games won by three points. Just saying. So there's still some areas where we need to, you know, get right to ensure. That this offense, as you said, Preston, is going to be lethal come next year, maybe, and for sure in two years and three years down the road. And then we talk about complementary football. This defense is is just simply they have no playmakers. I feel like 
They don't have any playmakers. Logan Wilson, he can't he can't do what he can do if there's no pass rush up front. And your two best pass rushers are non-existent. Sam Hubbard's on IR. Geno Atkins is not what he used to be. And Carlos Dunlap wants the hell out of here. If you don't have a pass rush, the rest of your defense can't do what it can't do what it was brought here to do. Logan Wilson and um, Logan Wilson can't you know create interceptions. The secondary Jesse Bates can't pick off passes. Same with William Jackson if he actually does. Darius Phillips same. That's the same thing. There's still so many holes in this team, but yeah, I mean, Ben Baby talked about this. The offense has come along, but the problem is. Front office will say, okay, we're good there. Let's just focus on the defense now. No, you still, again, always focus on every aspect of the team. It's more important than ever because Joe Burrow deserves it. He's given you everything he has. And the Bengals are 1-5-1. and one. Yeah, and I just want to say that, like, we talked about on our preview show last week that look at what the great organizations do. The Ravens have one of the best pass pass rushes in the entire NFL, and look what they just did. They went and got Yannick Ngakwe. You see what Tampa Bay did on Friday after the show? Tampa Bay? The Buccaneers. Yeah, but I know I'm not sure. They signed Antonio Brown. Oh, yeah, the Antonio Brown. Sorry, I don't know why that completely... (laughs) Yeah, no, look. Bucks have weapons galore. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, O.J. Howard, Rob Gronkowski. Howard's on injured reserve, but yes. That's right. Either way, they go out and sign one of the most elite wide receivers in the entire NFL over the last 10 years. And that offense, I mean, they have the sky's the limit. Look at what the Steelers did last year. Through two games, they're 0-2, and they went out and traded for Micah Fitzpatrick, proving to be one of the best trades in the last few years, in my opinion, because he's played fantastic. And I think that the tricky thing for me is moving forward, obviously the Bengals spend a lot of money this offseason on some guys that are not even playing right now. And uh, in the new collective bargaining agreement that the NFL and the NFLPA just signed, uh, the cap space, the salary cap for 2020 is $198 million right now, but going into 2021 is only $175 million. And it might not sound like a lot, but that is very significant especially for the Bengals, and you think about guys that are going to be due for some contracts. A.J. Green, I'm not really sure. If he plays well and he plays like how he has been as, as the season goes on, I think he's worthy of a contract. Um, the last two games he's played like he deserves a contract. Um, two-year deal, I think, would be yeah, good enough. Yeah, two-year deal. And Jesse Bates, I mean, he might end up being the highest-paid safety in the entire NFL. Um, Mackenzie Alexander, I believe, is on a one-year deal. And you have to look at it. You have to say, you have to make some really big decisions. Carlos Dunlap, like you said, is as good as gone. Geno Atkins, I'm not really sure where he stands. Um, Only played, I believe, 12 snaps this past game. Um, So moving forward, you really have to make some big decisions. And I don't think Mike Brown is one to make big decisions like this because what he's going to do is he's going to say, well, you know, look, I can spend money on a guy like, just a, an impending free agent, a guy that's going to have a really good impact on this team, but it's going to cost me a good amount of money, or I can just stick with a guy that's been with this team. I know he's had some injuries, but you know the Bengals have always said, well, 
you know, this player's been injured last year, but moving forward next year, you know, they're going to have some success. And so it's, it's fine. It's fine. We don't have to worry about spending money on a big name free agent, but we're just going to stick with the veteran that's proven he can play well. And we're not going to go out and try and acquire a new guy. And especially with the uh, lowered salary cap next year, I just don't know how Mike Brown and Zach Taylor or anyone really are going to handle this roster. And it's going to be hard because you want Joe Burrow to have as much success as possible. But if you don't have the money and you don't have the, you know, the kahunas to go out and sign a big free agent, then 2022, 2023, looking forward, I know that's a long time away, but I, I still don't know what the direction of this franchise is going to be even up to that point. Yeah, I mean, I think that what good franchises do, you talked about a few of them, Alex, you, you just don't stop. No matter what you're doing, you always are, no matter what, you're trying to improve. You're trying to get more. It doesn't matter if you feel comfortable because comfort and uh, I, can't, I can't think of the word. Um, success. Contentment. Contentment does not go with success. If you are content, you're probably not successful in the long run. You have to continue to, to improve. And I mean, I'm not talking about the players right now. I'm talking about the front office, like you were just touching on. You have to continue. You, you can't think, okay, we're looking good for the future. You're always looking for new moves. You're always looking to do something. I think that this team could, to, could get a really good uh, draft pick this year, especially for the defensive side. Hopefully we can bulk up the line a little bit. You always have to keep your eyes open for potential moves. I mean, look at the Steelers. I mean, this year they have, like, like you touched on, Mike Fitzpatrick. I mean, this year they have the, the one of the best defenses of football, if not the best defense of football. That's not just because they said, okay, we're looking good, and they sat and, and did nothing. You have to always continue to look to improve, and I think that if this team does that, then they are looking very special. But if they don't, then it's just going to be more of the same. Yeah. I mean, Mike Brown has proven that, you know, he's not one to make these big business decisions. And these are critical. If this team wants to um if if this team wants to win down the road because I'm telling you right now, you cannot fail Joe Burrow. He is your he is this team's last saving grace to achieve success. He, he is plain and simple so you better pay him you better get him you know some good weapons on the outside and wide receiver tight end running back offensive line better be solid and again it's just a matter of doing everything that you can do to ensure this team's success I, I lost my train of thought after what Justin you were saying I was going to say something um Oh, what was I about to say? I don't remember. But anyway, I mean, you, you two hit on it. it. It's just we have to, um, you know, make these decisions. We can't, I mean, we can't just say, well, this, this group is fine. No. You can't do that in this league. And I was going to add that. Oh, I was going to Oh, up. sorry. I was, was going to bring, bring up this point. Go ahead. This is the point I was going to bring up. When you're a small market franchise, everything that you do has very little margin for error. 
because you don't have the luxury of teams in big markets like LA and New York and Chicago, Dallas, whatever, etc. And look at your small market teams. Look at the Ravens, Baltimore. They play and they run their organization like they have little margin for error. And they are always, year in, year out, a very tough team that is that has won two Super Bowls and can play with anybody. Look at the Steelers. Small market. Yes, they're one of the NFL's most successful franchises in the history of the league. But they're in a small market. They run their organization and they play and they are urgent enough to make decisions that is going to give them the best. The Steelers the Steelers for as long as I've lived have never been under 500. Feast on that for a moment. Even last year as Justin, you allude to, at 0-2, they look terrible. And they trade for Minka Fitzpatrick, a first-round pick. And with a fourth-string quarterback, they go to 8-8. Eight and eight. And at one point, we're, we're in the fifth spot for the playoffs. These are what small market franchises do. This is, the Bengals are, I hate to tell you, Cincinnati is a small market city. The Reds, they get it. Look at what they've done the last two years in free agency. The Bengals, as Preston, you said, um, comfort, contentment, and continuity. Three C's, you get a C-graded team. Small market teams have to do everything in their power in order to win. And this team simply does not do that. And when, and when you do what you are comfortable doing, you you might get a 10-win season on occasion, but you're not winning the playoffs against teams who have been there before or have more talent than you and are, quite frankly, a better coach team and a better run organization. Not only are we not doing all the things that a small market team needs to do, but we're also behind the times. We are behind the times. And I said it, January 4th, 2011 was, this or, was when this organization planted its flag in mediocrity. When they brought back Marvin Lewis. That was a stupid move. And this game yesterday is the rock bottom. Now, if we get blown out Sunday, let's say like 47-17, um, there better be major changes throughout the bye week major changes and you think about teams that have had a lot of success in any given year a new team can have great success look at the jaguars a few years ago there are one there are three points away from a super bowl i believe there's only lost yeah for i guess four points technically are they are they the best run organization in football not by any means they're arguably the worst run organization in football but what I'm trying to say is what makes a great organization is you have good teams year in and year out. The Steelers, like you just mentioned, they were on their second, third string quarterback for the entire for the majority of the season, and they nearly made the playoffs. They made the Bengals they they killed the Bengals, quite frankly, twenty seven to three in that Monday night football game in week I think it was a week three or week four. And then they come to Cincinnati with Duck Hodges 
went 16 to 13. And Doc he, Hodges was brought off the bench in that game. Yeah, yeah. Mason Rudolph played terribly, and they brought in Duck Hodges. <laughs> that's and James and I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that they are a fantastically run organization, and they don't have the best roster by any means. They don't have these guys that are going out. I mean, they have some good players, but not like they have, they've had in years past with Antonio Brown and uh, Le'Veon Bell. But it's just because this organization is so consistent. They're so good year in and year out. And the Bengals have had good teams. Look at 2015. They started 8-0, finished 12-4, and but, and they fall short in the playoffs. And they just haven't been able to have that success since then. And it's great. You always hear, oh, well, Marvin Lewis, they led them to the, Andy Dalton, A.J. Green, and Marvin Lewis. They went to the playoffs from 2011 to 2015. And that's great. That's great. But when you get there, you don't do anything. And that's the difference between the Bengals and any other market or any other organization is that they're, like you said, Preston, they're content with success. They're content with what they had. They're content with the, what the players were. Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap aren't the same players they were in 2015. Far from it. But in their minds, I think they think, well, you know, these guys have had some success for us in years past, so that means that they, they're, they're going to have success moving forward. Well, that's not the case, and you have to re-up at these positions where you think, where you think, well, maybe we don't need a re-up, but every position, no matter how good there might be a player in that position, it doesn't hurt to have a backup. Look at Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Look how good he's been for the Chiefs. And you know what they did? They brought in Le'Veon Bell, one of the best running backs over the last 10 years. And it just makes sense because the Kansas City Chiefs are such a well-run organization. And you just wish, I mean, you think, oh man, the Bengals could have Eric Bieniemy right now. And who knows what will happen moving forward. But with Zach Taylor, I'm just not sure if this team is going to be able to put together a roster like these other great organizations have been able to do. Here's the thing, and, I, and you said with Mike Brown. I mean, I'll get to you in a minute, Preston, but I, I just feel like we didn't even mention Carlos Dunlap in his situation yesterday, putting his house up for sale, which I think is just a, it's a clown move. It's a clown move is what it is. Get that man out of here. The Mike Brown, after 2015, that was the, that was the closest the Bengals got to maybe winning the Super Bowl. And he has kept trying to get that team back to that point. And he simply has not done that. And if you are trying to do that, then why the hell have you let guys like Leon Hall, Andrew Whitworth, Kevin Zeitler, Marvin Jones, Muhammad Sanu walk in free agency and get nothing for them? Where's the consistency there? There isn't any. If you're trying to get back to where you were in 2015, don't do that. Move forward. Um, Marvin Lewis... Had delivered great success for the franchise. Hell, at one point they had 65 consecutive sellouts. God forbid we can't get one of those these days. 65 consecutive sold-out games at Paul Brown Stadium. And that's why you bring Marvin Lewis back. Because you had finally found your guy. And apparently by finding your guy, that means getting to two playoff appearances in eight years and going eight and eight in three other seasons and then having three losing seasons. Is that what you're telling me you want in your head coach? Hmm. That's where this organization planted its flag in mediocrity and, quite frankly, in futility and losing. Right there. Move forward. Okay? Move forward to achieve greatness. And here's the thing, too. Colin Coward talks about this all the time with Jerry Jones, who's essentially a rich man's version of Mike Brown. What have they done the last 25 years? Nothing. 
and the head coach will always will always comply to what Jerry Jones wants them to do. I think that's what Zach Taylor's done with Mike Brown. He's not willing to speak up and voice his frustration. It took Carson Palmer to do it when he was here. Marvin Lewis didn't do it. He took what he got. He did what he could. Maybe not all the way, but a majority of his career, he did what he could. We need a head coach that will challenge the front office. Eric Bieniemy is that guy. Preston? I completely agree. And I think that you mentioned the Jaguars and that year that they had. And I believe, I mean, they're a dead whistle away from Miles Jack running that fumble back and scoring a touchdown. I forget exactly how that went, but I mean, that was kind of almost a blown call away from a Super Bowl. I think that <clears throat> I'm very confident that this Bengals team, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm, I'm confident we're going to make a Super Bowl 100%, but this is going to be a good team for at least a few years. For at least a few years, this is a team that's going to go to the playoffs with this young kind of nucleus on offense if you can kind of figure the defense out a little bit. I'm, I'm confident with Joe Burrow, this is a team that will be able to have at least a few good years. Not saying exa exactly sure when that is. It might be a little bit down the road, but those moves... Um, those very bold moves or those things you have to do that maybe it doesn't feel good to do at the moment, but it pays off. You know, maybe letting go of some veteran that's been here a while or, let, or you know, making a trade. It, it kind of starts now. Building that kind of starts now because this is a team that the process of this team getting good, it, it, it's happening. I mean, right now it might, it, we're kind of, like you said, rock, rock bottom right now, but we are already seeing small improvements. And this is a team that obviously Joe Burrow is the guy. Those making those moves starts now. You have to. I think that looking for moves like that, looking to bring guys in, looking to bolster up the roster. I think that this is a team that that, that starts now and it goes until whenever it stops. It's you have to make these critical decisions. You have to. That's what you have to do. Um, I, I just go back to when we brought back Marvin Lewis in that three-year extension. I mean, if you... Three losing seasons, and two of the previous three, you had four wins. And you thought that was enough? Mike Brown and his approach to doing business, it's not going to win. It's not. And this organization is now stuck in this in, in seeped in futility. The last playoff win for the Bengals came in January of 1991 to the Houston Oilers. They are now known as the Tennessee Titans. The Bengals played the Titans on Sunday. This organization is at rock bottom. Will it use this game to turn it around? Or will use it to hit the ultimate rock bottom going into the bye week, where there will hopefully be major changes if that happens? That's the question I have. And we'll get to that on Friday. And my last point is winning is a mindset. Success is a mindset. And history is bound to repeat itself unless they make major changes and unless they make major changes now. If not now, maybe at the end of the season. I'm not sure. But it has to happen regardless Someone has to be fired, there has to be moves, and if it doesn't happen soon, then this fan base is going to, we're going to riot. Something crazy is going to happen. Here's some <laughs> semblance of hope. 
Well, I think that'll do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Bearcast Media. Oh, there we go. Don't want to play that part of the song. Close us out, Justin. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening. This is the Bearcast Media Bengals Recap Show. I am Justin Cashman alongside Alex Frank and Preston Stober, and we will talk to you guys very soon.